Hello, this is Pastor Rob Barber of Bethel Church in Tempers Plains, Ohio, where our mission is connecting people to God. I'm very excited to share the Word of God with you today because I believe God's Word is a powerful weapon designed by the Father to set the captives free. I trust the Holy Spirit will anoint this message and it will personally minister to you and set you free. God bless and enjoy this message. Today, since Valentine's Day is coming up, I am going to be talking about uh, sweethearts and I'm going to be talking about marriage. However, if you're not married, you're in here, you're single, or uh, you, you just you don't have a sweetheart at this time, Remember this, these principles are important in all relationships. It doesn't matter whether you're, you're in a marriage relationship or uh, a relationship with somebody at this time. These principles are universal principles that need to be applied to our lives. And particularly, but I want to, this morning I'm going to apply them particularly to marriage because if we do not have strong marriages, we will not have strong churches. And it's very obvious as we look around today in our society that the family unit is being torn completely apart. Therefore, our society is suffering greatly from it. And some of the incredible things that are coming out of our our uh, so coming across social media and through our society um, are just baffling. You know, I just, it's, it's hard to believe what they are saying, what is mainstream, what is accepted, what kind of lifestyles are accepted. But our God is a big God. And remember, He's still on the throne. And our job is to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ, to share the truth with people, to love them, regardless of who they are and what lifestyle they have. And, and I got to tell you, that is not an easy thing. There are sometimes when I hear things that are going on and I, I see uh, what's happening, uh, you know, I want to, I'm, I'm like, uh, who was it? The, the sons of thunder said to Jesus, let's call down fire from heaven. You know, how many's with me on that? Sometimes you just, you feel that way. <laughs> okay, good. <laughs> I didn't think I was so far off. But that's not what we're called to. We're called to love, unconditional love. So today we're going to talk about they shall become one flesh. And Genesis 2.24 tells us that, Therefore a man shall leave his father and his mother and be joined to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. A few years ago, Reader's Digest published this story that I'm about to read to you. Every Valentine's Day, our campus newspaper has a section for student messages. Last year, my roommate surprised his girlfriend with roses and dinner at a fancy restaurant. When they returned from their date, she leafed through the paper to see if he had written a note to her. Near the bottom of one page, she found, Bonnie, what are you looking here for? Aren't dinner and flowers enough? Love, Scott. That guy doesn't know. <laughs> doesn't understand <laughs> what he did. There's an old adage, or an old song, I guess it is, a real old song. Some of you may remember it, some of you may not. Doors Day sang, love and marriage go together like a horse and carriage. And uh, evidently it's true. 
because people get married because they say they're in love. Uh, in fact, every couple that has ever come to me and ask for, for uh, premarital counseling, and when we go through it and I ask them why they want to get married, that's one of my top questions. Why do you want to get married? You know what their number one question, their answer is? Because I love the other person. <laughs> you know? <laughs> and inside I just chuckle. Because I know love is more than that emotion that they're feeling at that time. They always do love each other. There's no doubt about that. And they have emotions stirred inside that is confirming their feelings for the other person. But I can tell you this. I've never had anybody say to me, well, we really hate each other, so we decided we're not, we should just get married. Or we argue all the time, so why not? Get married. You know, people are, are a little smarter than that. I've got to give everybody credit. No one ever enters into the marriage covenant and relationship with those expectations that they're going to argue, that they're going to have disagreements, that they're going to fight sometimes. We don't like to use that word, but it happens. You know, you, everyone in here... You have had disagreements. If you have a spouse, you've had disagreements. You've had relationship with anybody. You've had disagreements with those people. That's what relationships are all, all about. And of course, I've always used this plaque that we have at home in our bedroom now, I believe is where it is. But it, it says, uh, conflict plus love equals growth. And I believe that. I believe we're going to have conflict in our relationships. And particularly in the marriage relationship. You're going to have some conflict. It's not whether you have conflict or not. It's how you handle that conflict. How you work through that conflict. If you have conflict on the job, doesn't matter. You're going to have conflict with somebody. How are you going to handle that? If you have conflict in the church, how are you going to handle that? And the Word of God's very clear. You go to that person, you talk to them. You, you explain how you're feeling about this situation. Now, I can't guarantee you that they're going to listen and they're going to do their part. But if you do your part, most of the time, it will be worked out. I believe that. This wholesale div divorce rate that we have in our nation, it's just truly dis destroying our society. So the first thing I want to talk about in regards to marriage this morning is marriage needs romance. Marriage without romance, at its worst, it's going to die. At its best, it just becomes dull and tarnished. Sam, uh, a man by the name of Sam, was chatting with his friend Ted. He asked Ted whether he had bought his wife anything for Valentine's Day. And Ted said rapidly, yes, I bought her a belt and a bag. Sam said, well, you know, that's really good. I hope she likes it. Ted said, me too. The bag's for the sweeper and the belt's uh, for the sweeper as well. I hope they work better now. Not a good gift for your spouse. This is a man that does not understand his wife's love language. 
Now, don't get me wrong. When I'm talking about romance, I'm not talking about the couple coming home from church, dead tired, and the man comes in and sweeps the woman off her, her feet like you see in a movie. That's not the kind of romance I'm talking about. What I'm talking about is found in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, believe it or not. And we're going to read that. Love suffers long and is kind. Love does not envy. Love does not parade itself. Is not puffed up. Does not behave rudely. Does not seek its own. Is not provoked. Thinks no evil. Does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in truth. Bears all things. Believes all things. Hopes all things. Endures all things. Real romantic love is unselfish, sacrificial love that puts the other person first. I had a, a father who passed away way too soon. Um, but during the time that, that I had to spend with him, I learned a great deal of being uh, a man that should sacrifice for his family. He always sacrificed for my mother. He always put my mother first. She was number one. And then the children was second. If he had anything that, uh, if there was just uh, one thing left, let me put it this way, one thing left on the table and one of us kids wanted it and he wanted it, he would give it to the kids. He thought that that was more important to sacrifice for his family. He worked hard all his life. And sacrifice so that we could have uh, a middle class, an upper middle class family. And he worked long hours for that. He was a man of sacrifice. He understood. My, my mother is a, a woman of sacrifice. She always sacrificed for her children. She always did things. But when it came to sacrificing for one another, that's where they set the standard. They always, always made the other person more important. Than their needs. Many couples seek divorce because they say, well, I just don't love that person anymore. And we think in terms of all kinds of things when it comes to, to romance, but in terms of this, uh, we need to, to recognize that there's a lot of selfishness in our world and a lot of selfishness that's presented in our word, promoted. So the first myth that we need to talk about this morning in regards to, to love is that love is not just an emotion. Love is a commitment. Here's what Jesus said about God's commandments in Matthew 19, 3 through 5. There, the Pharisees also came to him, testing him and saying to him, Is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife for just any reason? And he answered and said to them, Have you not read that he who made them at the beginning made them male and female? And said, For this reason the man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. Jesus went on to tell them, No, it's not appropriate to divorce your wife for just any reason. You see, in those days, they could just do a, a written divorcement if they, just, if they got mad at their wife for any reason and divorce her. Written divorcement. And Jesus said, you've got to stop this nonsense. That's not what God intended. God intended people to come together and be one flesh. 
Love is much more than a feeling. Love's a commitment. Because there's going to be times when you don't feel the love. But are you committed? That's the question. When you're committed, that's when the marriage covenant can be viewed from God's perspective. When you begin to realize how important it is. Now, I want to say this. I'm not condemning anybody that's been divorced. My goal here is to encourage you. If you are remarried, I want your marriage to be all that it can be. If you're not married, I want your future marriage to be all that it can be. Because I want God to bless you. I want His blessings on everything that you do. In many marriages, the problem starts when we begin to have more times of disliking our spouse than liking our spouse. You see, love is more than just that feeling that we were talking about. There's, those positive emotions are really important. And love will not continue in a relationship if commitment is the only thing. You have to have, from time to time, you have to have some positive feelings, positive emotions. But the world's approach to love is way, way out of bounds. The reality of love is a stark contrast to what we're being told by uh, Hollywood particularly. You can just look at their lives and recognize that, hey, that's not real love. They, most of them have been married numerous times. There's people like uh, Tom Cruise, Jennifer Lopez, Kim Kardashian, Harrison Ford, Angela Jolie, all of them have been married more than four times, or four times or more. And there's an old actress that some of you might remember, I do, way back in the 70s, Zsa Zsa Gabor. You remember that name? <laughs> she was married nine times. Pity her husband's. So it's really obvious, isn't it? Romance, no matter how many romantic excursions you have, that's not the answer. But I will say this, romance stimulates love. It drives love. It's the reward for the toil of love. But you can be romantic, and many are, and some of these uh, Hollywood uh, celebrities certainly are, romantic without love. You know, we have a whole world that's fixated on sex. And it's, it's destroying us. It truly is. So that kind of love, the superficial, physical love, is not real love. It's self-satisfying. It's selfish. So you can be romantic without love. But love without romance will die, and a marriage without romance will eventually turn into a house divided. Guarantee that. Jesus said, a house divided cannot stand. This is why we see so many people in our society that are willing to sacrifice their spouse, their career, their children, their home, uh, everything that they know to seek romantic fulfillment in an adulterous affair. You see, now please don't get me wrong, I'm not condoning this. I'm just telling you this is the result of a lack 
of the kind of love that God wants us to have in our relationships. See, everyone wants and has a deep desire to be needed and appreciated. And if we're not showing our spouse that we need them and we appreciate them and we love them, they are going to seek that from someplace. Socrates, the philosopher, said, By all means, marry. If you get a good wife, you'll be happy. If you get a bad one, you'll become a philosopher. The problem is, we are basically selfish, self-seeking creatures. And we have to admit that. We read this scripture in 1 Corinthians 13, and we think to ourselves, yes, that's the way I want to be treated. Instead of, that's the way I'm supposed to be treating others. The scriptural definition, I believe, of love is wrapped up in this one phrase in 1 Corinthians 13, 5. Love does not seek its own. If Christians all over, particularly married Christians, married couples, would live a sacrificial life for their spouse, things would change in the church and in our world. Because the world is really whether... Whether we uh, think or not, or whether they even realize it, they're looking to the church for an example. They may say they're not, maybe because we've been such a bad example. We've taken on the, church, the world's perspective on things rather than setting the standard for the way things should be. So my third point is that love needs deposits. If we're going to have understand this romantic kind of love, the love that God expects, we've got to make some deposits into, the other, into other people's lives. Galatians calls it sowing and reaping. I'm going to read Galatians 6, 7 through 10. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. For he who sows to his flesh will of his flesh reap corruption. But he who sows to his spirit will of the spirit reap everlasting life. And let us not grow weary while doing well. For in due season we will reap if we do not lose heart. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all, especially to those who are of the household of faith. I believe this applies specifically or particularly to our households and our Marriage relationships. Because Paul is teaching us principles that work in everyday life. Sowing and reaping. Yes, sowing and reaping works in our finances. Absolutely, I believe that. But sowing and reaping is so much more than just financial sowing. Sowing and reaping is sowing uh, into an individual's, uh, not just what can I say, sowing emotionally into people's lives. Sow something that means something uh, specifically to an individual when you know that you're not going to receive anything back from that person. You sow, that's why it's so important that we do this in our, our marriage relationships. That we do it when we're not expecting anything back from our spouse. We're doing it because we're sacrificial. When we first get married, people, couples have the feeling of an incredible 
emotional attraction to one another. But I can say this, over my years of watching marriages develop, being in one for almost 47 years, coming up in March, that feeling will subside relatively quickly. And we're left with the regular mundane uh, expectations of what marriage really is. That's why it's so important that we recognize that we can make deposits into one another's lives and change that mundane, everyday experience of marriage into a, an experience that God intended it to be. Exciting with expectations of love growing every day. Because when time passes, if we do not, will grow, it will grow dull and tarnished, like I said before. In his book, His Needs, Her Needs, uh, William F. Harley Jr. compares the principle of sowing and reaping to banking. He says, uh, you know, you, if you make too, much, too many withdrawals without making deposits, uh, you're going to bounce your check. If you go to Farmer's Bank here in town and you deposit $500, the next day, you go and write a check for $600. What's going to happen? It's going to bounce, isn't it? Or over a period of time, you write checks of $600. Eventually, they're going to bounce. And that's the same thing that happens when we're uh, sowing into uh, people, other people's lives. We must make proper deposits into a person's life so that we're stirring those emotions of good feelings and love. In most couples' uh, lives, we get to the point where we just take for granted that the other person, you know, they care about us, they love us. And we're not working at it. And I, I must tell you, it's necessary that we work at this thing we call marriage relationships. In his book, The Five Love Languages, Dr. Gary Chapman outlines five different love languages or ways people feel love that is spoken to them. And once again, I'll say, this is universal. It's not just in the marriage. Uh, it's in relationships all over. Number one, words of affirmation, quality time, receiving gifts, physical touch, and acts of service. These things are individual in our lives. Each and every one of us needs every one of these things spoken into our life. But if we uh, begin to study the individual that, that we're living with or the person that we're, we're working beside, we'll begin to recognize that they have specific needs that need to be spoken into their life in one way or another or acted out into their life. Romance, I believe, in the marriage is learning to speak the other person's love language to the point that you do it on a regular basis without even thinking about it. And the only way that we're going to be able to continue to do that is to learn what the other person's love language is. Be sacrificial in what we do. There's an old story about an old couple went into McDonald's one day and there was several younger couples sitting around 
And <clears throat> the, the man went up to the, uh, to the counter and ordered one hamburger, one french fry, and one drink. And he came back and he sat down and he gave it to his wife. And she started eating and everybody sitting around said, oh, they can't afford another meal. Let's do something about it. So young man got up and went over and said, uh, sir, would it be okay if I bought you a meal? Uh, he said, no, I don't need a meal. But thank you, I appreciate it. Time went on, she was eating. People were watching. A couple of different times people went over and asked him, do you need one a meal? And finally, one guy just couldn't stand it any longer. He said, sir, we're willing to buy you a meal. You know, you're just sitting there watching her, her eat. What, do, what are you waiting on? <laughs> he looked at the guy and he said, the teeth, man, the teeth. <laughs> that will sink in real quick. <laughs> oh, my. They were sharing their teeth. <laughs> Oh, my goodness. Uh, it was a bad joke, but it's fun. <laughs> what Dr. Chapman believes, and I, I tend to agree, we all need every one of these love language spoken into our life. And let me add something here. I believe it's very important in regards to sowing and reaping that we understand one of those Love language is words of affirmation. And the spoken word is very, very powerful. We know that, that we need to make sure that this is one of those, um, those uh, love languages that we all need to speak to one another. And that is words that affirm the person, words that encourage the person. I'm not saying that we're always perfect in, in all our ways. Do we need to be corrected from time to time? Absolutely. But the majority of, of our communication should be words of affirmation that we encourage and uplift everyone. If you fail to sow words of affirmation into your spouse's life, you uh, are probably sowing negative words, which are words of death, because that's what Proverbs 18.21 tells us. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it shall eat its fruit. So back to these different love languages. Now, I just want to share a few things. My love language is uh, words of affirmation and physical touch. So when Tammy in public, reaches over and takes my hand or places her arm around me or lays her hand on, on my knee. Uh, to me, she is, is saying, you know, this is my man and I love him. I respect him. Because you've got to understand from a man's perspective, respect is a very important scripture lays that out. When she tells me she loves me, It means something. It's important. But here's what really means something to me. When in public, she tells people, you know, how much she appreciated the bathroom that I remodeled for her. Or uh, the uh, island that I had to talk her into before she would put it in, in the kitchen. And little things like that, that, you know, she's, she's speaking volumes of respect. That she respects me and she honors me in my decisions and the things that I do. 
I'm motivated by those kind of things. Affirmation and physical touch. But if I want to speak love to Tammy, I have to do the dishes <laughs> or help clean the house. Well, she also, she likes acts of service, but she also likes little gifts. She's not a, doesn't like great big gifts of, of any kind, but she likes little gifts. She likes little thoughtful things like, you know, just writing her a note or buying her a candy bar. That's huge to her. And I, I will caution you, gentlemen, if you do that, if your wife has that gifts as her uh, love language, I will caution you, no matter how long she leaves it in the cabinet, don't eat it. <laughs> it could be there for years. And as soon as you eat it, she's going to say, what happened to my candy bar you bought me? I had to learn that lesson the hard way. <laughs> you know, Tammy and I don't always feel like speaking love to the other person. I only feel like doing the dishes. I don't always feel like helping her around the house. And I know she doesn't always feel like being there for me. But we have learned that it is so very important for us to speak these love languages into each other's life. You see, I have given you some, of, some good advice, I believe. Some words from Christian authors, things that I've learned over the years. But I will say this. The bottom line is this. That when you enter into a relationship or you have a, a marriage relationship, and I know I'm speaking to the choir here, the bottom line is that Christ must be the firm foundation. That's all there is to it. These other things are just icing on the cake. But Christ must be the firm foundation. If not for Christ, Tammy and I would not be married. We were headed down the road of divorce with our lifestyle. Christ came in and changed everything. But these, these things that I shared with you this morning, these concept, concepts will Enhance your relationship, but they'll never take the place of the Word of God in your life. I went to Dr. Love's love calculator. <laughs> and I put in all the information for me and Tammy. And it said, and Dr. Love said, the chances of success for our marriage was 47%, or 14%, I'm sorry, 14%. We've been married for 47 years, coming up in March. <laughs> so much for Dr. Love. Ecclesiastes 9.9 says, Live joyfully with the wife whom you love all the days of your life. I am I will, and I, am, I shall forever, as long as I live, with, live with the life, wife that God has given me. Same, these same principles are applying to so many things. Listen, Valentine's Day is coming up. Gentlemen, make a big deal of it. Regardless 
of whether what your life your wife likes. My, I, you know, I got to say this. Tammy's not a big one for flowers, so I do something else. Uh, but I will say this: we have a family-owned shop. People that that are part of our congregation, Francis Flores, you should patronize them. Yes, amen. I'm going to leave you with a final story. It's said that Cyrus, the, the founder of the Persian Empire, the one that released the Jews to go back and rebuild, that when he came uh, into a certain town that, or a certain city-state, that he captured the prince and his family. When they came before him, the monarch asked the prisoner, what will you give me if I release you? Half of my wealth, he said. God, what will you give me if I release your children? Everything I possess. And if I release your wife, your majesty, I will give you my life. It's said that Cyrus was so moved by his devotion that he released them, told them to go back as long as they would serve him. When, it was, when they, the prince and his wife were on their way home, the prince said to his wife, wasn't Cyrus a handsome man with a look and a voice of deep love for her husband? She said, I didn't notice. I could only keep my eyes on you, the one who is willing to give himself for me. That's a good example of what Christ did for us on the cross. And that's a good example of what we're supposed to do for one another, both in marriage and outside of marriage. Stand with me. Thank you, Lord. Father God, I'm going to pray over relationships, not just marriage, but relationships in this place this morning. Father, I just ask that you, you touch the hearts of people here. There may be some that are struggling in their marriage. There may be some that are struggling, struggling in different types of relationship. But Father, we know who you are. And I believe these principles can be applied universally in our relationships. So we just ask, Father, this morning that you would touch the hearts and the minds of the people here, that today, Father God, we will begin to act as servants toward other people, that our self-centered, self-seeking desires would be put aside. And Lord, that we would do this one thing your scripture tells us to do, and that is love others unconditionally. Stand with them. Love them and serve them above all else. Father, we're thankful for this day, for this time that you have given us to worship you. And I ask, Father God, I don't know what you did this morning when we read those scriptures and when we worshiped you, but I believe that we're going to have testimony of healing that took place in this place because I, I believe you directed me to do that. So Lord, today... We're having high expectation of what you are going to do. We put our faith totally and completely in you, knowing that you are a healing and awesome, powerful God. In the name of Jesus, we go from this place this morning. Amen.
Amen. Hallelujah. Have an awesome day. Hello, this is Pastor Rob again. I pray you enjoyed this podcast. What a blessing it has been to have you join us on this social media platform. If you would like more information about Bethel, please check out our website at BethelChurch.community. You can also follow us on our Facebook page at Bethel Church, Tepper's Plains. Have a blessed day and remember, love never fails.